Welcome to the reboot of the Racebeg Esports podcast. I am your host, Ken Tenma, and with me is El Tonki. How are you on this fine day, El Tonki? Yeah, doing really well, Matt. Uh, really excited to be part of the podcast this season. Uh, looking forward to having a few in-depth conversations with yourself and uh, maybe discussing a few controversial issues as well. It'll be quite exciting. Yeah, it sounds good. We do have some controversial issues, but it wouldn't be Formula One without controversy now, would it? We had the Spanish Grand Prix last night, and uh, the Barcelona-Catalunya track tends to be fairly dull, and uh, it didn't really excite us last night. There was a fair few uh, truly trains going on in that track. Um, did, we, did you like the race, or were you snoozing as well? I was a bit of a snooze fest, that one. If you're a, a Merck fan, you're not going to complain about an easy victory like that. But from a neutral race fan point of view, certainly did live up to the hype that we that we did see in, uh, in Great Britain and in Australia earlier on in the season, that's for sure. No, there were, there were some good midfield battles going on, and the midfield is sort of saving the season a little bit, I feel. Um at the same time, yeah, Mercedes were in control. Well, Hamilton of Mercedes were in control the whole time, whereas Bottas really struggled, and we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But this is the Race Spec Esports Podcast, and we've just started Season 3 of Race Spec. Uh, we're both racing, and really, Race Spec has grown tenfold in between Season 2 and Season 3, uh, with multiple tiers uh, in both Pacific and Global Series. How have you found... Uh, the season three, uh, I guess, reboot, and have you been racing okay in our first week? Yeah, it's been excellent to get back into it. So you and I both were um, part of race spec from really the inception of the league where we had one or, or, or two tiers uh, for our series. And in our Pacific season, uh, we've gone to now five tiers, which is excellent. So I race in with yourself in T5, and we also part of the T3 Elite Series. Uh, Australia was quite an interesting one for me. I did manage to get a fair bit of practice, and because of that, managed to get my very first podium um, in Australia in the T5 Pacific Series, which was quite exciting. As for yourself, Matt, a little unlucky, it seemed, on those first two races in Australia. Uh, yeah, I didn't have uh, the best results, that's for sure. And yeah, we're down in, in Tier 5. We're by no means uh, in the elite. Um, saying that the elite in race pick now is very elite. Like We're talking you know, top 1,000 fastest drivers in, in F1. Um, but yeah, we're down a little bit further where the weekend hack is the sort of thing. But we have fun. And, and definitely with the spread of tiers, uh, the racing has got a lot closer between uh, who's getting on the podium and even down. And if you're missing out on the points, you're still uh, not that far away, which is, is really good. The, the racing is very competitive now, mm. um, spread out across the field. Uh, my first yeah, one yeah. in Australia, yeah, I had the, I had the wrong setup. Um, just another don't copy and paste setups from time trial um, before you find a good one because, yeah, maybe running a little bit late, not enough practice, and I did find a much better setup for my second race and raced a lot better, but I moved to no racing lines. So I have no assist at all anymore, and I'm just struggling a little bit with that with concentration and then the laps of concentration over over 29 laps uh, I mean, you miss a breaking point and you're skirting the sand and uh, I cost myself a fair bit of time so but my I do have a good one lap I just don't have a good 29 laps at the moment so that's where I guess as you I'm said at. before as well 
Matt Fun is the most important thing here. Yeah, sure, we're not the elite F1 esports competitors and most in the race spec league are not, but it's a great little community. We all get to spend one or two nights of our week partying up, having a chat, um, getting some good wheel-to-wheel racing going on. We enjoy the chats in the, in the, in the Discord as well. Um, we just really get to know one another. It's a, it's a great little community that we've set up here or been part of setting up here, that's for sure. Yeah, it certainly is. And if you want to get involved, if you're listening to this, you found it through Spotify or iTunes, uh, definitely jump on to race, uh, sorry, search for Racebec uh, through Facebook or Google. Um, you'll find some sign-up sheets and get in that Discord server. There's heaps heaps going on, plenty of channels and lots to chat about. And something we've got to chat about is back to the real-life Formula 1. And as we said, Hamilton just dominant again is Mercedes is certainly giving him the car to be dominant uh Bottas fairly frustrated uh it didn't have a good start got swallowed up uh, he, he had an okay start it wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible one but he definitely got swallowed up with those slipstreams and then just couldn't really recover and probably shouldn't have gone for the soft tire should maybe been more outspoken like Hamilton and gone for that medium he may have caught Verstappen but um yeah, he didn't have a good race, and it seems like he's getting very frustrated over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's correct. And I think Hamilton's dominance is really exemplified by the fact that he lapped every single car in that field, except for, of course, um, his teammate and Max Verstappen. Um, Bottas, on the other hand, look, as you said, wasn't a terrible start. Stroll did get the jump on him, but it was just really playing catch-up from there on in, and he just wasn't able... To, to improve on that podium. Yeah, and your driving style and what you need to do in the race certainly has a huge impact on uh, how you're going to go in the race. Hamilton could control it out in front, which we, he could manage his tyres. Bottas had to push really hard early to get past, back past Stroll, um, try and catch up to Verstappen, which cost him a lot of time later on in the race. And it does feel like how you manage your tyres is crucial this year. Uh, we've seen it uh, in the previous race. We saw it in this race as well. Um, this had a bit of Singapore about it where there was a, no one was going flat out. We heard Verstappen uh, sort of crack it on the radio that Hamilton was going so slow, but he couldn't push right up to him because he knew he didn't have the speed to overtake him and he would be ruining his tyres at the same time. Hmm. I was also reading a comment, though, uh, earlier today from Hamilton that he was pleasantly surprised as to how well those tyres did hold up. Obviously, Barcelona in August isn't the traditional time when the Spanish Grand Prix is run, a little bit warmer than what they do usually anticipate. Um, but the ties, he was very, very surprised that the checkered flag came as soon as it did. He was in the zone. He felt like he could push those tyres even more. And I guess that's why he was so far at the front, because of that exceptional tyre management, which is something he's well known for in the first place anyway. Yeah, definitely. The best drivers often do have really good tyre management and um, really well done from, from Hamilton and he's breaking records every race, it seems, and he definitely deserves it. Yes, he's got the best car, but he's also destroying all of his teammates um, apart from that one year uh, with uh, Rosberg, but Rosberg got fairly lucky that year, so definitely well-deserved and is going to go down as one of the best in history, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of Ferrari, the next one we're going to talk about, and 
Uh, this Vettel breakup is getting very messy. I feel like mm. there should have been some prenups involved. Um, the <laughs> ex-girlfriend's going to call up in a minute. We're going to find out there's a mistress. Like It is going to get really bad before the end of the season. And uh, it got very testy again in this race as well. Yeah, certainly a messy divorce between Vettel and, and Ferrari, the team that he's raced so well uh, for in the past. I think... When you listen back to uh, the radio messages between his mechanic um, and Vettel himself, it does seem like he's the forgotten man inside that team. Obviously, Leclerc is the the up-and-coming driver, the the one that Ferrari want to put a lot of their time, their their resources and and their emphasis onto. And Vettel just simply hasn't been performing, and it seems like he's not getting the uh, support to be able to start performing. It's almost as if they've written off his season. But... That said, he, he drove an exceptional race in very testing circumstances for, for a P7 in Spain, which I think was better than uh, most expected. I think you were expecting a, a P11 there, Matt, were you? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit lower. Um, there were a few teams that disappointed who we'll, we'll come to in a little bit. Uh, Leclerc had that uh, breakdown electrical problem to shut his engine off, which locked, locked the rear axle up and sent him spinning. And then he had a few other issues there. And that was around the time where Vettel felt like no one was talking to him as well. So it does feel like the whole Ferrari garage was like, oh no, Leclerc's, something's wrong. And uh, and then Vettel's going, hey guys, I'm still here. What do you want me to do? Um, in terms of Leclerc, yeah, it was, I found it really odd that he went around again with his seatbelt undone. Did you notice that and, and have any thoughts on that? Um, I feel like the mechanics engineers have a, a certain checklist of things that they need to have right, no questions asked. And for them to have the seatbelt undone, what's this now, the second time, is it, that he's gone around with that, I think? it's. Oh, he, he unbuckled it. He unbuckled it. He thought he was racing was done because uh, he couldn't get the engine fired back up. Uh, so he, undu- ah, right. he unbuckled to get out, and then it started. Um, and then... What I thought was bizarre was he could have just driven into the pits. He was right there. He could have just driven across and gone into the pits. But he drove off, and maybe he just forgot because he was startled that the, the engine actually worked. Um, and then halfway down the, the pit straight, he's realized, oh, my seatbelts are undone. I need to come in. I can't fix them. Because um, obviously it takes a few people to buckle them up. Uh, but he... He went round at full full pace because I was looking at the deltas and they were staying similar to um, Latifi, who he's in front of. He was about seventeen seconds behind, so it's not like he trundled around with no seatbelt. He just went flat out, which I'm surprised the stewards didn't take any action or hasn't been noted or anything like that. But certainly, just a really odd thing. It's been I can't remember. Maybe maybe Vettel in Russia was the last time we saw an engine just stop like that and just seize up or not seize up because it was electrical, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the feel, the fearlessness of being so young that Leclerc true, is, but true. I guess as the, the FIA, they, they focus so heavily on, on safety and for them to not take any action on it uh, certainly is surprising, but it might be a little bit of a watch that space from here on out. Yeah, well, I was. I heard Julian Palmer mention that he was very surprised that uh, the click went so fast because he would 
prefer to, to drive without a helmet than without seatbelts sort of thing. Um, so it is interesting. We might hear something more on that later. Uh, moving on to some other teams that were in the race, uh, Red Bull. And uh, I'm a passionate Red Bull fan. I'm going to admit my bias here. And um, I love both. I love Verstappen and Albin. And we'll come to Verstappen in a minute. I wanted to talk about Albin's strategy. What do you think? When they came in and put the hards on, I was, I was had this Shocked. sinking feeling. It was more like a sinking feeling. Like, what are you doing to my man, Alex? Like, <laughs> if that's not going to end well, and it feels like they just threw him to the lines to just check if that hard tire was maybe going to work, and he just yeah, got almost sacrificed. like a being treated like a science experiment for Alexander Albon there. Uh, just, I mean, yeah. he, he's, he seems to be getting that Daniel Ricciardo treatment. Being Max's teammate, they've, I mean, Christian Horn has come out publicly um, and expressed that Max is their main man, so they're going to do whatever it is possible to try to get him that world championship. So on the off chance that that hard tyre did perform better than expected, then they would have been able to change Max's strategy in order to accommodate for that. But given that that hard tyre didn't get a whole lot of testing through practice didn't get any use at all, really, throughout that weekend. Very, very surprising um, for them to put him on that that hardest compound tie, which is the C1 compound, the, the hardest compound yep. available to them. Simply no grip to be competitive at all at race pace. No, all the drivers said it was like uh, skating on ice on that on that tire, and it was much slower. It was, it was like two seconds a lap slower. So he did well uh, to, to be where he was. And it just heaps pressure on him i feel like a lot of people are now comparing him to gasly and saying well gasly he's doing the same as gasly so but he's not in my opinion his qualifying is as bad as gasly's that's for sure no denying that but his race pace is much much better than gasly's he gasly wouldn't have passed anyone on that track he he would have been stuck where he was whereas albon was passing people and he's got the balls to go around the outside and he's got the nous like it's, I was going to say it's rare that he crashes into someone, but he took out Grosjean, uh, no, Magnussen two weeks ago um, for going for a gap that wasn't there. But generally, his racing is better than Gasly's, I feel. And maybe Gasly's learning something because he's taking a few more risks in that Alpha Tori. And uh, Gasly is outstanding this season, which is putting more pressure on Alvin again. And it's pressure he doesn't mm-hmm. really need. Um, but it's the most disparity between uh, a number one driver's car being set up for them and the number two not being able to drive it and multiple number twos not being able to drive it. Mm -hmm. Ricardo could, but um, definitely Albon and Gasly can't. And Bottas can definitely drive Hamilton's car. And let's not muck around. These cars are designed for the number one driver. And Mm -hmm. Vettel is struggling. You could even say Vettel can't drive Leclerc's car at the moment. Um, That's possibly what's happening over there as well. Especially think with Red Bull, how they are allocating their resources. Obviously, a lot of time, a lot of money being spent on Max developing the car the way that he likes it. But at the end of the day, the points scored by both cars are of equal weighting. So if Red Bull truly wants to be the second best team here behind Mercedes, you, you think that maybe they should start developing Alex a little bit more, start putting in certain features of the car that he likes, start training him up, in the way that he wants to as well, and stop using him as a as a, as a test dummy, really, for Max. Yeah, and 
Uh, we'll wait and see what they're doing. I feel like there's some politics going on in the background, and Alex is got he's gonna have to be amazing next season. Otherwise, there's some Japanese drivers in the Red Bulls in F2 that are definitely gonna come in with that Honda uh, deal. Uh, I feel like part of the deal was that there are a lot of Japanese drivers in the Honda Academy are getting drives now in F2, F3 certainly as well, and they're driving really well. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're not, you know, amazing, but they're, they're, for the limited amount of time that they've had in F2, they're driving really well. So he might be on a ticking ticking clock there and mm. Honda want Honda want their guys in AlphaTauri at a minimum, um, which I can't see Kvyat lasting too much longer, uh, <laughs> or Red Bull. So let's see, we'll watch that space, I think. Um, now, McLaren, solid again. Uh, they keep talking themselves down. I feel like they're this team that keeps talking it down, keeping a lid on it, let's not get too excited, and then they go perform well again. Uh, what did you think of the McLarens? Yeah, Zach Brown, he's, he's the master of flying under the radar, isn't he? Um, you know, Carlos Sainz, P6, and Lando Norris, P10, which fairly solid results for them. Lando Norris came out and said that he wished he had taken more risks during the race, and he, and he really felt like he could have uh, challenged for for even better spot in P7. It was a, a, a no frills, no fuss, get through the race at a, at a good race pace uh, race for the two McLaren boys. It seems that they've got a, a good dynamic uh, between them. Um, no real standout drivers. They're both performing really well and, and, they're, and they're racking up the points. The Constructors' Championship this year, that's for sure. They're really wanting to be the best of the rest this year. They'll certainly get a, an added benefit with Daniel Ricciardo coming in next year. But so far, a big thumbs up um, from me for McLaren this year. Oh, for sure. They've come leaps and bounds from those terrible years um, with Button and, and Alonso uh, trying to get that Honda engine to go. Um, and science was, was fantastic. I thought science was really good, but... Uh, hats off to the McLaren uh, strategy and the guys in the strategy, um, I guess, employment in all the teams really didn't uh, shower themselves with glory in most teams uh, on the weekend. Even Mercedes trying to put Hamilton on what was obviously a worse tyre considering how far in front he was, just put him on the safe, nice uh, speedy tire, the medium. They're trying to put him on on soft like they did to Bottas, and it wasn't even working for Bottas. It made no sense. And then Red Bull putting hards on, um, Ferrari forgetting about their driver, and then him telling them what the strategy is going to be. So whoever's doing strategy at Ferrari should be out of a job because they can't make a decision clearly. Um, Renault, we'll come to Renault in a minute. Well, I'll leave Renault. I'm going to go on a rant with them, but. McLaren started the race said we're going to do two stops we're committing to it and it paid dividends science was elect- it was really fast the entire race they used their tyres well and they just went two stops is the fastest let's do it and it worked out really well yeah certainly I mean no, no home crowd for Carlos Sainz to perform in front of but just just great race pace consistent no frills uh, doesn't get involved in too many tangles and as you said, the, the strategy, they were put on the right tyre at the right time. They weren't put out in traffic too much, or if they were, they were able to get past very, very quickly. And that's why they're scoring well week in, week out. 
Yeah, definitely. Doing the basics right, which um, can't be said for a few other teams. Uh, we'll go with Renault. And we won't, we'll only talk about Renault last. The other the other guys get a bit of a pass this week. and We might talk about more about the other teams next week. But Renault, gee, they are the ultimate tease, I reckon. Last week, they looked great. And then, like, you know, Ricardo qualified fourth. And then in the race, there's strategy again, strategy just out the window. And I'm I'm at home, and I'm no, you know, I'm no Einstein, but I can see when a tire's no good and when you shouldn't be going on it. And last week, Renault put Ricardo, like they didn't even leave him on the tire for long enough, and then put him on a horrible tire, and then left him on forever on it, and wondered why they came down the bottom of the field. So they had pace in uh silverstone but then they get here and they have no pace the whole weekend nowhere and that really showed during the race i mean ricardo's way better than ocon at the moment even in very similar cars ocon's nowhere near ricardo's level but renault just keeps shooting themselves in the foot and you think they're fast and everyone talks them up and then they're just really slow at the next track i don't know what's going on with their setup if they can't work it out from track to track but as I said, they're definitely a bit of a tease when you get all excited and Ricardo's going to do something. And we're Australian. We're obviously cheering for Ricardo to do something. And then he just can't because the machinery he's got is sometimes great and sometimes horrible. And I often think he's making them look better than they really are. Yeah, certainly an up and down team. And we've just spoken about McLaren doing the basics well. And that's why they're scoring well. And Renault are not doing the basics very well at all. Ricardo is extracting as much as he possibly can through that car. Again, uh, qualifying uh, was, was excellent for really both Renault boys in, in Great Britain, but just complete turnaround here in Spain. And, and Spain isn't too much of a different track. It has those high-speed corners, just a, a couple more lower-speed corners, but they're not able to extract as much as they were able to do in the Great Britain races. And they're falling down that pecking order for it. They promised or they've said to Ricardo that they are going to be or they aim to be a competitor for the best of the rest team. And the machinery is not there. The strategy is certainly not there. They've currently got the drivers for it. But once, once Ricardo is out of the picture, I can't see too much going well for Renault if they're not picking up the machinery and they're not picking up their strategy. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean... I don't know. Barcelona shouldn't have been a, a, an enigma to them because we had testing there. We had eight days of it. Um, so, and winter testing is done there every single year for yeah. I can't even remember how long. So the car from the beginning of the season is built around data that is gathered from Spain and they just looked completely lost around that uh, Barcelona circuit. And temperature makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, testing's done in the cold and, and this race was done in the middle of summer sort of thing. But it doesn't change certain things. It, it changes tyres and it changes a little bit of uh, the air going across the car because of the density of particles and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, your overall race package and aerodynamics shouldn't change that much for a track you've done eight days of testing on. But they were just slow. And... Alpha Torre is ripping them apart this season, personally. I mean, they've had a few unlucky things. Kvyat's tyre blew out um, last week. Also, they didn't get some points, even though Gasly was quick because they had the same tyre problems that Mercedes had. But 
really, AlphaTauri should have some more points. And, and Renault, yeah, uh, I don't know what's going to go on with Renault because, you know, the boss was there. They've said they're committed, but are they going to be there in 2022? What do you think? Um, well, I mean, regulations are changing as well. So Renault certainly have the money, one of the, the largest car manufacturers in, in Europe. Mm. Um, they've got the money, they've got the resources. It really comes down to having you know, the big brains in the big jobs, making sure yep. that they can use these regulations to compete as best they possibly can. I guess another one of those watch uh, this space. Um, yeah, we might come back to yeah. that when we have a bit of a chat about racing point slash tracing point um, <laughs> a little bit later on. But we're going to let's give our driver of the day and our rubbish performance of the day. Um, so, all right, I'll give my driver of the day. Um, I don't normally like giving the winner of the race, but. Hamilton's going to get my equal driver of the day. I'm going to break my own rules and give two. Hamilton gets driver of the day for just being outstanding at the front, time management perfect, in the zone, never makes a mistake, um, managed the race perfectly, and he's, he's helped by a great engineer as well, that has to be said. Um, but uh, Carlos Sainz, for me, um, did the basics well, maximized the tires, overtook, really did the best at that, mclaren could possibly do uh yesterday so he gets my driver of the day yeah for myself i mean it's a fairly obvious one but max Verstappen was the only driver not to be overtaken or lapped by a a merc which i think shows a lot i mean yes he was 20 whatever 24 25 seconds behind hamilton at the end there but when you're having a look with 17 whatever 16 drivers being lapped and one DNFing for him to show that consistency, to show that race pace over 66 laps of the circuit. Um, he is really the only other driver who can stick it to, to the Mercedes boys. Yeah, kept Bottas behind him as well. Yeah, that's no, a good shout. Uh, and our rubbish performance of the day, uh, Grosjean was terrible. <laughs> he, his days are numbered. They have to be numbered. He won't be in, in F1 next season. Yeah, no, that's my disappointment of the day as well, that's for sure. It's interesting with all these late moves across breaking points and breaking zones that he's making, he's obviously a man who's low on confidence and he doesn't know how not to be overtaken without verging on that uh, illegal tactic. And it's interesting as well, the commentator was saying that he's the the chairman of the the Formula One Drivers Association, and there he is just making all sorts of ridiculous moves, doing anything he possibly can not to become overtaken. And, you know, the fact of the matter is he was the last of the running cars, and his car isn't that bad. Yes, sure, certainly that Ferrari engine isn't performing as well as it has been in the past, but he's, he's fallen well and truly behind the Alpha Boys, well and truly behind, yeah, the Williams Boys, um, and his teammate is outperforming him really week in, week out. Yeah, the, the, the asterisk, I guess, is that uh, he, FP1 and FP2, uh, he was right up there. He was fifth. Uh, he really great race pace. Everything was going fantastic. And then they found a problem with his engine. Uh, they stripped the whole car and rebuilt the whole thing. And then he said it didn't feel the same. Um, yeah, they're very uh, temperamental things, they're Formula 1 cars, but not, not that much. I mean... He was going backwards uh, yesterday, and then he had, 
He had a, he had a spin. Uh, he had that dodgy move. Someone's going to get airborne. There's going to be a massive crash before the end of the season. Uh, that it's going to involve Grosjean doing something silly with a late move. But yeah, I saw Russell pass him and then Latifi, and I'm like, all right, I I don't know what he's doing if he doesn't have the car, if he doesn't have the tires, but it just didn't work for him at all. And um, based on those poor moves that you were speaking about and his poor performance in, um, he had a good quality a couple of weeks ago, actually. But other than that, he's just not consistent. And even his interviews, he said he didn't, he wasn't sure what he was doing or motivated. So you got to get rid of him and put someone who wants to be motivated. Like a, they can't afford a Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg, but maybe they can afford a Perez if Vettel does go to racing points. So mm. um, Perez brings his own money. Yeah, maybe maybe not risk someone who's up and coming without a whole heap of experience, a, no. a proven racer, someone who can bring some experience to the team and maybe start letting Gene Haas and the boys know how to run a, a Formula One team. I mean, Magnussen is underrated. I think I think he's a really good driver, um, but and and he's a hard nosed driver and he pushes the edge sometimes. Grosjean just goes over the edge. Um, but Perez knows how to set up a car, and I think he'd be really good for Haas. And as I said, he brings his own money um, with all of his Mexican sponsorship. Um, so yeah, he he was a it was poor from Grosjean, and I get the feeling that he's going to be a star in rubbish performances a day um, before this season's out. That's for sure. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about uh, racing point and the objections. I don't want to go too much into this. I'm sure everyone's been reading articles and knows a lot about it, but I thought we should give our opinions as well. So basically, um, for those who haven't heard, uh, Renault um, objected to racing points car, which is a nearly an identical copy of the 2019 Mercedes car on the basis that, um, yes, you can take photos and you can tracing, you know, use tracing paper on, what you can see and laser scan people can laser scan from key rings now so it's not that hard um but you can't copy something you can't see and that is the brake ducts so the brake ducts um the internal part there is no way anyone could design that unless you had the designs and it's a pretty important part of a formula one car the, the, how the air goes through there is how the the brakes are cooled. It also has uh, aerodynamic um, stability issues and things like that. So it's a fairly important part of the car, and especially if you're copying another car. Um, and it's been found out that Mercedes gave them the brake duct plans before the regulations changed. And then there's also new information that Mercedes gave them a little bit more on the brake ducts in uh january 6 which is after the change of regulations that you couldn't copy brake ducts so that's where racing point has been unstuck and a lot of people are calling for mercedes to now get a penalty because they gave it to them um so they've broken the rules uh they did get a penalty um a points penalty and a four hundred thousand euro fine and miss uh ferrari mclaren williams and renault all appealed that fine saying it's not not harsh enough um unsurprisingly uh, mclaren and williams who will have mercedes engines next year have withdrawn their complaints and uh ferrari and renault are going to the high court when that's held i'm not sure um what's your thoughts on copying a car completely um in the end i guess to save money and to get 
uh, high-performing car in Formula One. Oh well, I mean, there's no doubt that Racing Point and Mercedes have that that close-knit connection, and as much as Racing Point want to try to show all the sketches, show all the research, independent research that they have done to show that they have developed this part themselves, there's no denying that Racing Point have gone from a you know, seventh or eighth best place team to currently what third in the standings mm. um look it's it's a tricky one because if you do not allow teams to communicate at all with parts you you run the risk of those incredibly wealthy teams doing very very well because they have the resources they have the money they have the time they have the brain power to really develop the best car they can possibly develop Whereas those second tier or those third tier cars who don't have those resources will never be able to compete. And then you get all those top tier teams running rings around those lower tiers. It's, look, if a car is to be developed, I am a firm believer that the developers, they need to show that there is some form of originality. Otherwise, just run a, a spec series car with no, uh, no design at all. Um, Look, it is a grey area for me, that's for sure. It's probably something that I haven't developed that strong an opinion on yet. But, look, it's if it's just the brake ducts and that's the reason why Racing Point are doing well, well, then I'm not too sure. Certainly not too sure on that. Yeah, I have a, a couple of opinions. I think they have to change something next year because they'll they, they're not going to be racing point next year they're going to be yeah they'll have um, to they're they're going to be oh it's just uh left my mind um the um aston martin aston martin team that's it they're going to yep. be aston martin so if you're driving an exact copy of a mercedes is that an aston martin or is that a mercedes to so that that's a mercedes so it's brand damaging to aston martin they're, they're the aston martin team aston martin should be helping design an Aston Martin Formula One car. Uh, so that is a little bit of brand damage in my opinion and I don't think that'll go over too well. So they will change a bit, probably try and improve the base that they've got now and make it look a little bit different, maybe. Uh, I can understand where Williams and McLaren are coming from and I also understand why they're withdrawn because they need Mercedes. They also need a little bit of help from Mercedes. Williams probably the most and, and McLaren are probably the most frustrated Williams build everything themselves and they're quite proud of that whereas McLaren do get a few things from other people uh Renault are clearly irritated because they've got the money like you said and they've smashed heaps into it and their car is still rubbish which so it's annoying when someone just copies the other good car and just is immediately better than you so I understand why they're a bit hurt about that and Ferrari I just wanted to say on the pod that Ferrari have appealed um, on the penalty uh, not being harsh enough, but also want more transparency over why that penalty was done and how uh, Racing Point got their hands on the Mercedes brake duct, which is complete uh, in Australia. We have that saying pot calling the kettle black. It's hypocrisy at its best i mean ferrari's engine that was a secret deal that wasn't revealed to the public during the off season where's the transparency there and it was clearly a broken engine that was cheating because the engine sucks this year yeah the behind the scenes settlement that 
no member of the public, no other Formula One team had access to. Yeah, it's um, yeah, certainly a hypocritical move. You know, Ferrari asking for some transparency around the racing point issue. Um, but look, I mean, at the end of the day, the aim of the game is to build the best Formula One car. So if you have to play dirty, be hypocritical in order to do that, well, then of course every Formula One team out there is going to do that, no matter how it looks for them. Certainly, certainly, and I know I'm uh, painting uh, the dark horse uh, in a in a dark light. This podcast, um, I'm not against. I'm not anti Ferrari. This is just how it is. But Ferrari also help uh, the FIA determine on what um, new measures should be taken in place or put to the table. And of course, they have veto powers. And part of that is is a nice segue here. Is next week, uh, not next week, in a fortnight, we go to Spa. And there'll be no party modes on the engine. So um, just for all the people listening, there'll be no uh, ability to turn the engine up um, from uh, a certain point or down. So what you qualify uh, your car, that engine setting has to stay the same for the race as well. So you can't turn it up or down. You have to keep it consistent through qualifying. So it's a park ferme on the engine setting. Um, so this is an interesting development. It'll be interesting to see what happens during the race. I'm, I'm really excited. I, I love Spa as a racetrack, um, and it's always good racing there. But this is going to be super interesting to see how it affects the cars throughout the field, and and we're going to get a clear view, I think, of who actually does have party mode and who doesn't. Yeah, especially given how power dominant, how power hungry mm. the Spa circuit is. Um, much of that track is flat out now of course the teams they, they don't run their party modes they don't they're hotted up engine modes throughout the race uh, because of engine wear issues is simply unsustainable to run that many laps on a on a turned up engine mode as to whether or not it's going to make a huge difference i'm still leaning towards no again we just had a, a race where the mercedes of lewis hamilton lapped every single car bar Max and his teammate. And that wasn't with an engine that was turned all the way up. That was their stock standard race mode engine, and they've still managed to absolutely blitz the mm. field. Look, yeah. it'll certainly peg them back when it comes to the qualifying, but, I mean, there are a number of other teams as well that'll be pegged back, Matt. Certainly will, yeah. And it's not... Um... Everyone just seems to be focused so much on Mercedes even probably because Hamilton said it's a clear uh, attempt to clip their wings. But we know Honda has several party modes as well. I remember, was it Austria last year where Max was said you can turn it up to 11 uh, to get past the clerk. So clearly there's a, it's not just 10, it goes up to 11. It feels like a spinal tap <laughs> type thing. Um they're almost like, running out of dials on that steering wheel. That's it. I wonder how many clicks they, they add some new buttons. But it, I think it's going to not affect Mercedes too much, like you said. Uh, I'd hate to be an engineer where Toto comes up to you and goes, all right, what's the maximum we can run this at without breaking the engine? Uh, that's a tough tough thing to answer. Um, but Williams are going to be the ones that they're going to be hurt by this because they've got so much drag on that car still. I mean, they're much improved this season. But without party mode in qualifying, I feel like they're just going to come back with the Alphas right at the back. And, and it's a shame because they've been, you know, pushing for Q2. Russell's been in Q2, you know, four times. Yeah, George Russell has done exceptionally well 
considering where the car was at last season to now pushing Q2 week in, week out. And if he's not qualifying well because the party mode, party mode has been banned, well, then, again, he's starting the race from 18th, 19th, 20th on the grid. And there's simply no chance that he has the power or the aerodynamics and the chassis to, to push past those out of him. His best chance, as well as the TT, of course, is to start further up in the field, hope that those behind get caught up, and then build a little bit of a buffer, which they can hopefully keep by the end of the race. That's the only way that they can uh, push into points. Um, and w- without a party mode to help them with their qualifying, they are really going to struggle. Certainly will. And, and Renault as well with McLaren, uh, I'll be interested to see. I was... You don't hear of Renault having a party mode or, or a next level too often. Uh, maybe just no one talks about it because it, it doesn't seem to be clear and obvious. So it'd be, yeah, it's going to be interesting on a few levels. I, I agree with maybe we won't see too much of a difference, but I think, I don't know, maybe I'll be pleasant, pleasantly surprised. We'll see in a fortnight. We'll come back and, and discuss it in a fortnight and see what we saw and, and if it was clear as daylight that a few people have some extra clicks on that that steering wheel dial or not. I guess from a neutral race fan's point of view, anything that can be done to bring the field much closer together is always going to be a welcome change. Um, Again, it is just a test heading into Spa. Nothing has been uh, solidified heading into further seasons, but it's going to be a, a test well worth it. Hopefully they get the data they want, the results they want in order to make some positive changes heading into uh, future seasons. Yes, yeah, certainly. And um, so I think that that'll sort of finish us off here. Uh, a bit of a note to finish on when we look to Spa um, in a fortnight. We do get a break. It's been fast and furious so far with six six races over seven weeks. So um, it may be good to, to recharge uh, the engines, uh, charge up the ARS again, and, and we'll look to Spa. And then we've got some really interesting races at the the rest of the season some complete unknowns like Magello, uh a few others Nürburgring again going back there it's going to be a really good season I'm super excited especially to go to these tracks that we haven't been to for a while or never been to so it'll be really good yeah certainly looking forward to it perfect all right well it's great to have you with me on the rebooted podcast uh we'll certainly See you again throughout the rest of Season 3 of Racebeck and the 2020 COVID-19. A fairly different season of Formula 1, so plenty to talk about, and I'll be happy to talk about it with you next time we do the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Matt.